1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey,
0: Megan. How are you?
1: I am loving coming into everyone's feeds on a Sunday, like we do a couple of times a month for one of our More Than Mom episodes where we just talk about, I don't know, fun stuff, like stuff that's not about our mom lives necessarily or our parenting, but things that are maybe a little fluffier, a little more pop culture. We sometimes do beauty and style and fashion and all kinds of stuff like that.
0: Lots of hypothetical questions in More Than Moms, (laughs) I feel like, that are consequential to nothing of this earth. Like, this, it matters not.
1: It matters not. It's just fantasy, basically. But that's, you know, that's a perfect Sunday listen, I think. And today Mm -hmm. we're talking about kind of our, like, fantasy city lives and our fantasy country lives. So, Sarah, you and I have both lived in a lot of different settings. But I would say, since having kids, we've both spent most of our time in like a small townish slash suburbish mm-hmm. environment, right? So there, I mean, we we've had very different experiences. You've lived in bigger suburbs, I've lived in smaller towns, but still, it's like it's kind of the middle, right? Like yeah. we've occupied that middle space. And even when we lived um, in like I've lived in a few different cities, and you've lived in at least one big city, we maybe didn't like take it to the max that we might have thought we would when we were kids watching like movies about like working in corporate America downtown yeah, or even Manhattan.
0: Like when we were really little, like reading uh, like Judy Bloom novels that took yes. place like in, a, in apartment buildings and stuff yes. like that. The fantasy oh, of New York city right. child life. Yeah.
1: Or like Harriet the spy. I don't know if you ever watched or read that, but like, that was a big one for me. And um, I think I maybe shared on the podcast before that I read that while living in a town. So Harriet the spy all takes place in, I think in Manhattan and she does a lot of her spying like in dumbwaiters and on, um, on fire escapes and things uh-huh. like that. But I lived in a town that didn't even have an apartment complex. Yeah. So I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> so yeah, very different.
0: Harriet the Spy was not one of the ones I read, but I've heard you talk about it before. And and in general, anything that took place in big cities, I I, I ate it up as a reader as a kid. And then <laughs> later as like a movie, like movies that took place in big cities. And, and like you said, TV shows and that fantasy urban life. That Yeah, you're right. We We never really lived it like that either of us.
1: Yeah. And on the flip side, we also both read things like Little House in the Prairie. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of like um pioneer <laughs> pioneer books um and things like that. And like have never really experienced that ultra country life either, although I've fantasized about it a lot, like living on like a hundred acres off the grid, having, you know, mm-hmm. crops and cattle and things like that. So I think they're just fun alternate realities to explore because chances are good neither of us will anytime in the near future, at least when we have little kids live in quite either of those extremes. But I still think maybe maybe there's a little city mouse or a country mouse in me at some point in my life.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think I think we both love and appreciate both extremes, like like we said. And then, like you said, landed somewhere in the middle. So I'm excited about this.
1: Okay, so before we dive in and we'll just, you know, for the first half of the show, we'll mostly talk about our big city fantasies and then in the second half of the show, we'll talk about our um, country fantasies, but let's first describe what we've actually had. So Sarah, talk about, um, everything from your growing up life, you know, through your young adult life to then after having kids and kind of the changes you've been through in the last year plus.
0: Okay. Well, that's a lot. I will try to be quick and maybe review for some of you. um, I was born in Corvallis, Oregon, but moved away from there when I was five, but that's a call it's a small college town surrounded by a lot of cow pastures. I think I have ranching farming roots that go back on both sides, so I definitely like have experienced that pastoral like situation <laughs> without living it for a long time. Most of my growing up was right outside Santa Barbara, which is, a, it's about a hundred thousand. It's more like a small city. It's not a small town, but it's also not a big city and it's not suburbia. That's the funny thing about Santa Barbara is it's, it's set up more like a, like a small city. Um, it doesn't really have that suburban feel. And I grew up kind of on the outskirts of it where it's a little bit, a little bit teeny bit more, um, spread out and a little bit rural. Um and so that's how I grew up but I grew up having access to small city conveniences and then being about an hour and a half away from LA and very big city. Um in college I lived right outside Chicago for the years of college and by right outside I mean like a short train ride and so again college town adjacent to a big city spent a lot of time in the big city and I also lived in England for a year where I was about 45 minutes outside London. So a lot of my college and early 20s um I learned how to navigate big cities but I was not living in the urban center. I was living just outside. and was able to go in for dinner, go in for a show. Um, when I was in London, I was a little bit farther. It was a little bit more of a project to go from Oxford to London than it was from Evanston to Chicago. But in, in all four of those college years, I spent a lot of time in big cities without actually living there. And then after college, I did live in the city of Chicago. And I know we're going to talk about neighborhoody cities, but, um, I lived in Wicker Park and Bucktown. You just got to see both of my I apartments. I love they're it. like Yeah, that's right, right. where we Are were staying. Other. Yep. Uh very neighborhoody with access to like bars, restaurants, vintage shops, like the L stop, but also like, you know, kids playing on their front stoop. Some some places even had little yards. Um, and so I spent that was my city life, and we'll get into maybe some of the details later, but it it's not The same as like high rise apartment living, although it was very close. I mean, a a a five minute bus ride or even a long walk, and and you were at the the, you know the Hancock Building or whatever.
1: Let's let's quickly pause there because I think people who've never really lived in a big city might have this idea like we did that it's all like what you see when you go to a conference or
0: something or like right or or you think Manhattan like you go downtown all the way yeah yeah
1: or you think of like the Gold Coast in Chicago like where it's like right where all the concentrated buildings are and things like that, but. Most people who live in cities, or I would venture to say most, maybe it's actually just many don't live like that at all. They're, they're much more in like a neighborhood like you'd see on Sesame Street. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's just an interesting, like my, my version of living in cities has always been more like what you're describing where it's like, you're near all the stuff and you get that city energy, but you're truly not like right in the mix of like the five o'clock rush with everyone you know, charging the streets and like, it just doesn't, it's not like a movie. Most most of us.
0: Right. I think what it is, is it's a sliding scale that often the media only portrays like the most extreme Mm -hmm. version of. Um, and it's actually really lovely. Like I had a car, I, I even had a garage actually in my second place in the first place I parked on the street. So this myth that you can't have a car, there's nowhere to park in the city. Like my, my, my neighborhood was parkable and, and walkable. I could take public transportation or I could take my car. Um, And like people having little yards and having a little bit more space than you think of when you're inside like a a concrete or all glass apartment building. Right. Yeah. Um, And then I guess just the final chapters We we were engaged when we moved from Chicago to Scottsdale, Arizona, which, you know, thank you, Scottsdale, for the time you gave in my life. But it's not the most um, like charming in terms of like that city identity or that cultural identity that other places I actually everywhere I had lived up until that point really had a feel of like location identity if that makes sense mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a sense of neighborhood a sense of place and the greater phoenix area struggles with that to be honest at least it did for me and i lived in scottsdale and north phoenix for almost 10 years that's where i had all my babies it was very suburban and there are a lot of advantages to that i had drive through starbucks i i could like drive out my land community gate and go in like any different direction. And I had to drive through Starbucks within no joke, like three minutes, but I had like four different ones. I had three targets within five minutes. It was the ultimate in that kind of suburbia and convenience. a couple
1: times I've been to Scottsdale or Scottsdale. Sorry. no, is it Scottsdale? Scottsdale. Scottsdale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All I remember is just driving past shopping center after shopping center, yeah. after shopping center and being, and look, they all looked brand new, which was weird They were. And was- <laughs> in
0: Scottsdale. They are. There's just other crazy. parts in the Valley that they're not, but it's like a Disneyland. It just all like yes. puffed up and Arizona. We have a lot of Arizona listeners. I love you. And I really do love some parts about the Valley that were really good to me. But since today we're talking about this, like fantasy of place, right. it didn't fit my fantasy <laughs> of right. place. There are no right. charming coffee shops that have been owned by the same family for 45 years. Like none of that. Um, And so suburbia life for my kids. And then we moved to Orange County 10 years after that. My kids were six, four and one. And that was kind of the same in terms of suburban living, like very suburban residential area. I will say access to some different, a different locales closer to LA, um, closer to some beach towns that had a little more character. So my soul was a little bit more fulfilled, but my neighborhood was just as suburban, just as, just as like chain, big box, blah, blah, blah. So that I think, oh, and then... And then the last <laughs> and then where you are now. Yes. Right now. So then in 2020 summer, we moved to my hometown. I live less than two miles from the house I grew up in. So where we started, where I started is where I am now, which is just outside the city of Santa Barbara. The greater Santa Barbara area has 100,000 people and a large university. So it's a it's a city. I live kind of on the outskirts of it, um, but it is the opposite of suburbia because It's old old houses and like old orchards and farmlands that's been, you know, residentialized over time but in a very like not developy kind of way. Mm. There's big big pieces of property, there's people who live like with chickens and horses and a lot of like agriculture still um and then there's, you know, little ranch houses and it's very um it is not planned community and that's that part feels that's why I say it's it's not suburban. There are parts about it, I guess, that are suburban. Like we hop on the freeway to go downtown Santa Barbara, I guess, and things like that. But the, if you've lived in the suburbs, you know that, um, like that when everything's built around the same time, you know the right. homes yes. and the, and where the I live sprawl is, like the right. sprawl, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and a, and a very planned twentieth century sprawl, yeah. And this is a little bit different than that, so that's where I live now.
1: Well, I think it's it's interesting um, to think about how people define suburbia because I don't think of where you live now as suburbia at all. You do get on the freeway to go to Santa Barbara, but you also would if you were coming from like the middle of nowhere, right? Like to get into a town, you still have to get on a freeway. I just, I think of your place as like rural. You're getting a lot of the, the, uh, like you don't have a farm, but you could (laughs) let's just put it that way. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. I mean, you might have to expand into the property next door, but like you've got all the markings of like yes. a rural area. And
0: people around me, um there are still big uh swath- swaths swatches of uh orchard land. I guess it is farmland, but here it would be orchards. Like we're right in the middle of what used to be completely all avocado and citrus orchards. So, it'll be like a neighborhood and then it'll be like, oh, this is still a 200-acre working orchard. So, you have a lot of that you have a lot of that agriculture still and then you also have a lot of natural landscape, so a lot of creeks, mountains, um and that also it's it's hard to feel like suburbia when you're like oh we just got to go over the bridge across the creek and like the natural landscape isn't where you'd plop a suburb I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All
1: right, well, I'll sum mine up as quickly as possible. Um I've also moved a lot just like you, but I did live in small towns basically all of my young life, like mostly 3,000-ish people. Um the town I lived like I would say I grew up in was more like 8 or 9,000, but and so that felt like a big city to me, but it was totally removed from any other big cities. And that's been like a, um, kind of a theme in my life where yeah. I live in small towns that are surrounded by even smaller towns. But I live in a small town now, 10,000 or less people, but the towns around me are even smaller, which means like we're the big city, which does change things. It's very different to live in a town of 10,000. If the town over is 50 or a hundred or 300,000, it's really different to be yes. the one in the 10,000, you know, that and that's where everybody goes. It just changes basically everything about the area. So. I did go to college in a bigger, small city. I'm going to say like 100,000 people, maybe Um, the college was like maybe 25,000. And that definitely gave me like a taste for diverse restaurants and shopping, like things I really hadn't experienced up until that point. Um, Then after that, I uh, lived in a variety of small towns, but I also lived in some cities after having kids. So I lived in like Lansing, Michigan, which is, I mean, maybe 500,000 for the whole metro area, but it's very spread out. But I also lived in Nashville, I lived in Minneapolis and I lived in Chicago and I definitely had more neighborhood experiences, very residential. The neighborhoods that I was in, the Minneapolis neighborhood was quite hip. I could not afford it. Like I couldn't, I remember being so frustrated because I had a baby and a two-year-old and I lived in this awesome neighborhood that I just could not take advantage of. Like there was no way for me to do that. And then when I lived in Chicago in the city, but in a very residential city neighborhood, I had four kids under the age of 10. And again, I really didn't get to experience the city the way I thought that I would. Like we did Mm -hmm. stuff, but we were we didn't like have money for a babysitter. It was expensive. Um, It was a hassle. Like we could, you know, we had street parking, but you kind of kind of had to jockey for it. So I remember like pulling up in the alley with my groceries and running up to the house to unload them. But I had to walk, you know, I had to go up the fire escape thing to get, or the little deck thing, get my, um, get my groceries up at the back door, get back in the car, find the closest spot I could. I mean, doing stuff like that with kids, like with
0: kids. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it because I did it too, but I was 22 with no kids Mm -hmm. and in the winter and stuff, and you're coming home late and there's, you have to like, it's street cleaning day. So you can't park on like that side of the street. And I mean, I game changer (laughs) to have four small children. I I did all of that, but I did not have children.
1: And, and we really were very dedicated to making it work. We were there a little over a year, but then I got pregnant with Clara and that was what just broke me. I was like, there's just no way, especially the school thing. And I know all big cities are different in the way they approach public schooling. I've never heard of someone who lives in a big city who said my public school system is super simple. Like I've never heard that. Some of them have (laughs) really good public school systems, but it, it doesn't seem like it's ever easy. Um, I wanted a great neighborhood school. It didn't have to be the best. It didn't have to have like the highest test scores or whatever. It just needed to be a place where like it wasn't super overcrowded. It was safe. And like, even that because of the magnet program, kids are like, parents are driving their kids all over school. I knew people who had kids in multiple schools in multiple neighborhoods and they would spend hours a day driving their kids from school to school. And I was like, this is not, I can't, first of all, I can't ask my, you know, little ones, To be sitting in the car half the day, I also had to work like it just there was no way to make it work. And the neighborhood school in our area had been so like abandoned and disinvested in because of I feel like because of like the um, the fact that it wasn't particularly uh, sought after Mm -hmm. that it was like overcrowded, like half the kids were in trailers, like they kept adding like trailers to the school. To, to, Welcome to California overflow.
0: public schools. We've, <laughs> like yeah. my entire growing up and all of my children's growing up has been in portables. It's fine. Yeah. Californians well. are like, uh-huh. Yeah.
1: But you, but maybe there it's more, you can actually go outside and stuff too, which that's I think true. is different. That's I true. mean, that's very mm-hmm. different than like when, when something is intentionally built around outdoors being part of your life year round. I feel like it's a little bit different than like, oh shoot, we ran out of time or we ran out of space and this neighborhood can't really support. Uh, more money into the school. So yes. here's well, what that you is get true. Kids.
0: I think that's the reason that is the reason for crowding and portables in a lot of California public schools too. The reason is the same, but you're right that the impact on the kids and the, and the facilities is a bit different because yeah. a lot of our gathering is done outside.
1: So, yeah. Right. Now this was like 14 years ago and I'm not trying to malign the Chicago public school system. I know people love it. And like, you know, I think if you, if you had the resources or if we had had a smaller family and could have lived in one of those neighborhoods that really did have a really good walkable school, it would have been totally different, but that was not our experience. So after much thinking, we wound up um, in back in the small town that I live in now. And that was really for simplicity's sake. So I've been back in this small town in, in the city. So I've always lived within like easy walking distance of like everything, but in a, a town of less than 10,000 people. Um, most likely I will be moving to a much more countryish setting very soon. Um, Okay. Kind of on a busier thoroughfare, but not like in a neighborhood. And there is acreage. So we can delve into some of those things when we talk about our fantasies.
0: Yeah. So is it like when you say a thoroughfare, is it like a country highway? Like it's on a yeah. busy street, like, it's but like not on in a, a neighborhood. So do you
1: remember when when I drove you to the airport, how we went down that road that like hugged Lake Michigan? And it was kind of, I know you probably don't. It, it's just kind of like, it. Te- you know, you go through all the towns, like all the way out you know, mm-hmm. we go through like tourist how town, tourist town, tourist town. Yeah. Yeah. But this one's uh, like, it's more, um, business district than country highway because it is the town that takes you literally through every small town on your way out of Michigan. So every okay. little coastal town, it takes you through. Um, so this one's kind of like between towns. So it'd be Got like it. between one and t- not to the next just yet. Yeah, so there's a lot of traffic, that. but, um, but there are seven acres in total. So, wow. Yeah. So very different. And so I'm excited to dive into, I know we've taken some time going, but I think it's fun to set up our history because it shows you like why we like certain things and, you know, what our experiences have been so far. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah, so we're talking about our fantasy big city lives, Um, and before we dive into that, I want to ask you two questions, Um, and these can be kind of quick. First of all, what appeals to you? Like, if you think about that big city life that you imagined when you were a kid, what was it about that that appealed to you? And then is there a movie or a book that like just encapsulates what you thought that fantasy would look like?
0: Um, Okay, I think what appeals to me, a lot of it has to do with history, because I grew up on the West Coast with a lot of newer Newer cities, um, a historical city where you might be living in a brownstone that's a couple hundred years old and life has gone on and modern life has progressed within it. The juxtaposition of like modern life against a historical city has been attractive to me my entire life. Um, And old buildings, old neighborhoods um, made new again is very appealing to me. So that's the number one thing that appeals to me. And it's got to be sex in the city for me like that, the, <laughs> the, sh- the popularity of the show. Yes, I mean, they were supposed to be 30 when I was about 20. I was watching it when I was like 20 to 22. And so I was a baby grown up. I was about to be living in the city of Chicago. I was like in college when I started watching it and then after college. So it was like it was close enough, accessible enough to this like young adult life I was about to be living. But of course, complete fantasy. And then honestly, it's like so much about the apartments for me, the decor, yeah. the string lights, the, the front stoop, the brick, the falling leaves. Like, it's a lot of that. Of course, I love the access to bars and shops and museums. That's a big part of it, too. But if I'm really honest, there's an aesthetic to city living that has been fantasy and still is fantasy for me. And it has a lot to do with apartments and clothes and leaves. And right. um, yeah, so it's sex in the city for me. How about you?
1: Um, Well, what appealed to me always was the idea of being in the middle of everything, like mm. being in this area where like anything, you know, I hate to, it's like that, I think it's Alicia Key's song, like New York concrete jungle where dreams are made of or whatever. Mm. Like we, that song, by the way, is completely phonetically or uh, grammatically yeah. incorrect. And I think it was Karen Walren who pointed that out on Instagram. Yeah. And now I can't stop thinking about it. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of makes no sense. Right. There's, Thank you very too much. Too many are not Karen. enough words. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, it's like ending with a preposition, but like then there's yeah. another preposition yeah. that doesn't need to be in there. Anyways, um, I think I was always that idea. And you know, I grew up watching 80s movies and they were all about big city life. They were all about some young upstart that like took over, like started in the mail room and then worked their way up. Yeah. Or like that, you know, the woman who wore shoulder pads and she like broke the glass ceiling. Like there was all of that happening in my most formative years. And that idea that you could just go take a place by storm and like anything could happen was super appealing to me. Um, and just be that hustle and bustle, like just being in the center of all of it. And, I know things have probably become a little more diversified, but I will say the media when we were growing up, at least was like so New York centric, like so New York centric. If it didn't if it didn't happen in Manhattan, it essentially didn't happen you know, for like the most part. And as a kid who lived someplace where nothing happened and nobody ever talked about the places I lived. Yeah, it was like, wow, OK, that's a place where people actually want to be. And like,
0: right, like I guess telling, that's where I got to go. <laughs>
1: right. People are telling those stories. Let's go there. So that was the. Overall appeal, Um, I'm going to name actually two movies. They're both Meg Ryan movies. One is When Harry Met Sally. I know it's very cliche. And the other one is You've Got Mail, also a Meg Ryan movie. Different settings. I feel like in You've Got Mail, she was more like in a a neighborhood. It felt Uh more like, I don't know, residentially feeling, but still very city. But when you made the comment about the apartments and the aesthetic, I'm just thinking about like the fantasy... Of like even friends, the idea that all of these young people live in these amazing apartments. Yeah, Of course. And yeah. we all
0: just bought it. We're like, yep, looks good to yeah. me. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw and her little tiny computer. Like in yes. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: she was like freelancing. I mean, come yeah, on. Exactly. And, and like, and, and like also the um the art and like the decor uh-huh. that they had. Like there's that scene from when Harry met Sally where I think I can't remember if it's um Sally moving to the new apartment or the one played by Carrie. I can't remember her, the actor, actress's name. Her best friend. Um, they're like rolling out this huge area of rug, and they're talking okay. about their love lives. So that's all I really remember. And there's okay. like there's like, you know, expensive vases everywhere uh-huh. and like, you know, original art everywhere. And they're rolling out this rug that probably even in the eighties cost like $4,000. And I'm like, I guess if I go to the city, that'll be my life. Like uh-huh. I just, yeah. there was no, you know, I didn't have any connection to reality
0: at that point. no And I think we are not being. alone. There's, <laughs> we were, we were sold a line for sure.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's put those budgets Constraints aside, like let's put reality aside and just talk about okay, so let's pretend it's right now and kids are not a factor. Like you get to live your life and they're just being taken care of by, you know, behind the scenes or they're old enough to stay home by themselves or whatever. Um, and money's not a factor. If you were transplanting yourself into that big city fantasy now, what kind of place would you live in?
0: Um, so I, I know we have keep coming back to this idea of neighborhoods, but I, I truly love that. I would live, um, like above something above Mm. a coffee shop or above a bookstore or in a building that I don't, I, I mean, an apartment living is fine. I don't see myself living in a true high rise where you walk in past like a doorman and an elevator. Um, It would be more like either a walk up or maybe like a small elevator building, I guess, like a, like a four story or something. Um, But definitely that feel like this is my corner. That's my corner store. Um, I'm able to walk. So it would be that urban neighborhood type of situation. Do you want me to say what city or is this just any? Yeah, No, go city? ahead. Say what city. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Um, <laughs> okay. but I, I don't really want to do in my fantasy. There's not like 20 below degree winners. I'm going to tell you that yeah. much. Um, I have spent a good amount of time in San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle, which are all of our, like our West coast, more traditional cities. Um, and I, I really like them all. So I could see I could see a San Francisco situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if money's no object, because it is like the most expensive money is place. An object there, unfortunately. But if it's I not, mean, yeah, <laughs> if, if it's, it's not, not, then I think a San Francisco neighborhood would be really fun. OK, well,
1: I have to say that part of me cannot let the high rise fantasy die. And and part of it is the doorman situation. Like, ah. um, I'm thinking of, well, and maybe this wasn't even a high rise, but. I'm thinking of like Marvelous Miss Maisel. They had a yes. doorman. Oh man, I love that apartment. Right? We
0: could just do an episode where we talk about fictional apartments. <laughs> that's like I, okay, a spin-off. Like I would do that one. for like yes. two hours. But yeah. I
1: feel like she must have been in some kind of high rise because they definitely had like that feeling where you walk in and someone like puts you on an elevator. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it's hard for me to separate that from my true, like, you know, extreme fantasy. Um but at the same time, I've also been watching um Only Murders in the Building. And yeah. I have been like obsessed with Steve Martin's apartment. It's, I think he's in the penthouse because the elevator opens right up to his apartment. I don't even think yes, there's a hallway. You are correct. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And that is amazing. It's amazing. Is amazing. And it's just like so it's so New York to me. Like that whole show is so New York. We could mm-hmm. talk let's delve into that in a future episode. But yes, I do think there's something about like that elevator building idea that I really love in my most fantastical fantasy. Um, I have to say though, when we stayed at the Airbnb in Wicker Park, I felt like that blend of like a house, but literally steps from. I know people always say it's just steps from. You're like, but how many steps? I mean, this was like right at the corner of a very bustling area with lots of restaurants and stuff like that. So you don't have to have that high rise to get that. I think that's just part of my fantasy.
0: Yeah, well, it's a good fantasy. I think the reason it's not part of mine is I like the access to, like, if I want to go to the coffee shop, I want to be there in 17 steps. And there's something about that, the waiting for the elevator and the, like, it's like this extra layer. It's obviously a very secure layer. There's some safety <laughs> benefits for sure. But it's, I'm such an efficiency junkie that I'm like, no, I want to step out my door and be there. in the city like we were in Wicker Park. I think yeah. that is, that's why that continues to be my fantasy, I think.
1: Well, let's talk about, Some of like the, just the habits that we are used to in the way that we live now, I'm thinking things like clothing, um, how we eat, um, you know, because like right now for you to eat out, is kind of a thing. And for me, it is too. Like, it's not super easy to walk out the door and walk down the street and eat. And the way we dress is very much set up for um, the small town and or suburban life. Yes. Driving in cars. So how would those things change for you in your big city fantasy?
0: I think. I just would adapt to like what makes city life livable and lovable, which is I notice people in cities like they dress like they might be out all day walking around, hopping on a bus, like walking eight blocks, walking a mile. So like there's this way to dress fashionably in a city that's also pretty comfortable. This does not come. From Carrie Bradshaw, by the way. Well, (laughs) no, like
1: you'll see people like with like practically sneakers, but then like a like a really on-trend dressy outfit and a backpack. I'm like, okay, you're how you're somehow making that work for me. Those are three different things,
0: (laughs) exactly. And it's (laughs) like the coat has to be both weather appropriate and fashionable and not get dirty because you're going to be on the subway. So there's like, I think it is the fantasy is this like a more hip urban look that's very functional and practical because you're almost like you're carrying your house on your back in a sense in that like you're not your car. I think the main, the main thing here is that you're not living out of a car. So you right. need to have bags, backpacks and coats that um sort of help you operate in an urban environment. So I like that idea. Maybe like a sporty, hip, urban, um like very functional, but also fashionable look. And then Eating. I mean, that's the best part about cities, right? Right, It's like you just can eat whatever you want. And if money's no object, I feel like I would have a couple regular restaurants, both for takeout and dine in where it's just, you don't have to think about it. You just walk out your door and like, they know you at the bar and you go sit down and you have your regular, like that would be really fun to almost have like the cheers dynamic. Like, Like it's like an extension of your kitchen, but it's just the, down the road at the pub or the like restaurant whatever it would be so i would be fun to have one or two of those a coffee shop and a restaurant um a takeout place and then beyond that i think i would still do a lot of like experimenting and just mm-hmm. eating out it's like one of my one of my joys so i think yeah. i would do it as much as money allowed
1: well and money is no object so apparently you would
0: just be eating literally all, all the day. time I, all when we
1: were in <laughs> chicago i
0: i seriously did eat all the time like i was yeah. so full after 4 days
1: yeah I know. It was fun though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember at one point you're like I can't eat again today, but then you somehow still did. I do. It I was amazing you still did it. Well, for me, I'm going to lean in really hard again on this like high-rise uh fantasy, lifestyle fantasy. So, I'm really picturing myself as like being in my 50s and being this like mysteriously glamorous yet no-nonsense <laughs> professional. No one really knows what I do. I dress <laughs> a little funky, like I've got, you know, like I, I don't like. I look somehow like stylish, yet sort of disheveled, almost. Yeah, like you might and, be like, a playwright. Yes, like no one quite <laughs> knows what I do. And in my fantasy, I would exit my high rise, walk out the door, and get in a car, like oh, okay. a hired car. Like yeah. I would have a driver. Um, and so really, like the need to be um efficient or like flexible about my clothing choices just wouldn't in my fantasy exist because right. someone else would be handling that for yep. me. Makes you sense. know, so um, a- as far as daily food and beverage, I-, I feel like, like you, I would want to do all the things, eat at all the places. I also have this like long standing fantasy from movies. I watched as a young person about how glamorous it is to eat in your high rise because everything mm-hmm. just looks better in those amazing city kitchens. Yeah. Um And somehow in my fantasy, my food is even better, like the food I make at home or is or like the little takeout boxes that are in my fridge are just like better than anything that Mm -hmm. would ever be in my fridge right now. So because this is fantasy, I feel like it would still be a mix between me like going out and being in the places where one goes to see and be seen and things like that in my funky um, playwright slash perhaps publishing executive outfit. Nobody knows what I do. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm eccentric. Um and I wear big chunky glasses. But I also feel like I would I would spend a lot of time um reveling in the benefits of my fancy apartment, which yeah. would include a breakfast nook, uh-huh. um, perhaps a patio situation where I would be like sitting out and having my tea in the morning or my right. wine at night. And then lots and lots of eating out at interesting restaurants. This is all fantasy. So I'm just gonna stick with that.
0: I know I've said this on the podcast before when we do this, but I just think you are a better fantasizer than I am. Like, because yours just looks like reality. (laughs) Well, it looks like a kind of attainable reality or Or like an alternate reality. And I forget like, oh, like, no, this is truly. But I also like sometimes I think, well, maybe that means I kind of like my regular life. Like, But I I also
1: feel like that means that that fantasy for you really might happen. Like that is also attainable. Um, and I think that everything you described would be awesome. Like that sounds great to me, but okay. like it's also fun to go a little bit further with it's it. It's not so.
0: surprising you're a bigger dreamer. It's just always <laughs> funny that I'm like, oh right. Like I don't this doesn't have to be affordable or attainable. Right.
1: Well, Sarah, yeah. someday when I am living in my high rise um in some city that we've both agreed upon as being yeah. climate, you know, <laughs> climate acceptable, and you're living in your walk-up. Um, right. We can still hang out. We can still meet at the same coffee shop. Yes, and we can. You'll be wearing your functional yet practical yet stylish uh, city outfit, and and I'll be wearing my mysterious outfit. And then when we part ways, I'll get in my my car, and you'll get yes. on the bus. <laughs>
0: Yes, or I'll walk. I'm going to walk. Or you'll walk. walk. My sneakers are so comfortable in this fantasy. You know what? Before we go to break, I need to change one thing about my fantasy because I really don't. It's not a neighborhood in San Francisco. And no offense to San Francisco, it's a beautiful city. But my fantasy looks like Brooklyn or Chicago, but feels like Tennessee. Feels like 65 (laughs) degrees. Yeah, it feels like, yeah. With like four moderate seasons, probably like like a like a North Carolina four seasons or like a Tennessee four seasons. So if it's my fantasy and I can make the weather however I want and all my West Coast family magically near me, then it is not San Francisco. And that's no offense to San Francisco. It's a Brooklyn or Chicago type of a brick and brownstone aesthetic.
1: I have a feeling that we'll hear from some of our Southern listeners with suggestions, but I bet you like a Charleston or like Mm -hmm. some of those old East coast cities that are a little further South. Yeah. I don't know much about DC.
0: Like I, there's probably parts of DC that has pretty, um, like equal four seasons, maybe Philadelphia. Like, yes, I am. I have not spent a lot of time in DC and only a little bit of time in Philadelphia. So I think that historic brick and brownstone aesthetic exists in a possibly milder climb than, um, (laughs)
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Hiya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to hiyahealth.com/momhour. The deal's not available on their regular website. Go to mom momhour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So now we're going to take a lot of the same questions, but apply them to our fantasy country lives. And again, before we jump in, um, tell us what appeals to you about that super fantastical country, you know, version of a country life. And then is there a movie or a book that encapsulates what that is that you were exposed to maybe at a young age or just one that you can think of now?
0: Right. Okay. I think what appeals to me is the truly the beauty of nature. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but like if you've ever seen stars at night in the country, it looks Turns a lot different. They're different. It looks a lot different than in the even in the suburbs. Even if you think you're in like not an overpopulated suburbs, like check out the stars when you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, So, you know, nature, everything from plants and animals and wind and rain and like the, um, feeling that little more connection to the natural world is totally appealing to me. And I know it's opposite of what we were talking about, but it's still very appealing. Um, Booker movie. I'm going to try to go outside of little house, but that is like so foundational. And I'm talking about the books, not the show. I only watched the show when I was like homesick occasionally. So my, my visuals for little house are completely based in my imagination. They are not, um, they are not the, the TV version. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just didn't watch it until much later. So I'm I have my own version of Little House. I'll I'll let you know if I think of another one as you talk. Because I, I read so much and I definitely read a lot of things based in Prairie and Wilderness. And um right. but nothing's well, coming to mind right now.
1: It's it's harder. This one was hard for me to answer too. And I think it's because it's hard to think of like a super specific scene that encapsulates it quite the same quite as richly as like sex in the city or right um, when Harry met Sally, like those things were like so fantastical because there's so much going, there's so many layers, like yeah. the people that they're talking to their jobs, their, their style, like it's right. each, each one is very different, but like still gets you that, that feeling. And when I think of like all the different books I read about rural life or country life or pioneer life there and movies I watched, they all kind of just, meld together in my head. There's just this general prairie feeling and a lot of trees. So I'll answer for myself because I did come up with one that is a little bit different. Um, And first, I'll just say what appeals to me. I think it is that slower pace. I think everything you just said about nature is 100 percent. Obviously, that's something that's really important to me. And it's very different um, in truly in the country than it is um, even in suburbia. Totally agree. Like the idea of being surrounded by trees that you know as well as like mm-hmm. the buildings in your neighborhood and um water and space. Um mm-hmm. The older I get, you know, as much as I have that like big city fantasy about being in the hustle and bustle, the older I get, the more I recognize this part of me that just wants to be like anonymous and alone. And sometimes being anonymous in a big city is easy, but being alone never is like you're never right. really alone. You're never really uh-huh. it's never quiet. Um, I was just reading not too long ago about how few places are left in the world that I can't remember the way that they described it, but are quiet places. There's a word for it where there's no noise pollution and very little light pollution. Like those places almost don't exist anymore. And I do think there's something about us like at a very deep level that craves that. Um, And then there's also something really appealing and like romantically appealing to me about the idea of living off the grid, doing things on my own like that. I don't know that idea of like getting like getting out of the earth, what you put into yeah. like the work. And there's just something about that that I like. If I had to think of a movie or a book that kind of sums up truly like a fantasy. And Little House was also very instrumental for me and like, like so foundational. But I would say Anne of Green Gables was even more foundational yeah. because she spends more time, like so much time in the Anne of Green Gables books. And I would say probably I haven't seen the TV series in a long time, but I would guess like it's in there, too. Just reveling in the nature, and they live in a in a house like uh in an orchard like so they're you know her uh, the setting is orchard and farm, and she's like yeah. surrounded by other farmland but like there's also a town aspect yep. to the book that is a little bit different and and is pretty heavily like that is really heavy in there and then when you get into her later life, there's one of the books, and I can't remember which one it is. I think is where she lives as a young married woman. And so she's like out, um, like she's right by the ocean, mm-hmm. but like out in the middle of nowhere, but like within sort of, when I say walking distance, I mean within like two miles to mm-hmm. get to like, um, I don't know, to like the lighthouse or to like the nearest yeah. neighbor. So there definitely is that feeling of like neighbors, but not close neighbors and lots and lots of land and nature in between which I think is just, I don't know. It's just really interesting. I think the more we think about this, probably the more that will pop into mind, but that's the one that just kind of encapsulates all the things I think that I like about it.
0: Well, I'm going to mention one more and it's still from children's literature and may seem obvious, but, um, of course I read Charlotte's web as a kid, but I also reread it aloud multiple times and listened to the audiobook, which is read by E.B. White himself in oh, this like glorious oh. baritone, like a 1950s, like baritone. Um, the descriptive language. There's a reason it's a classic. The way he talks about the smells and and this is I know country life isn't the same as farm life, but in some in sometimes it is um, the way he talks about seasons and smells and kind of like mm. the intersection of, you know, a, far, a working farm that is it is obviously human produced because it's not just it doesn't it's not organic to nature. But then with nature all around, and that language is so lovely, and I I do have such vivid mental images of that particular farm. And then you know they got on the school bus and they went to school. Right? It wasn't it wasn't off the grid by any means. It was this kind of mid century American farm life that I I'm sure is full of nostalgia for a lot of people. And I I'm not super connected to that. Life or that history personally, but it's beautifully written. So yeah, I know I don't know if people read Charlotte's Web to their kids anymore because it's it's a little dark and sad for really young kids. But man, it's a good book.
1: Yeah, and I I mean it is a little dark and sad. But I will say one thing I realize now is how quickly children's literature is followed up by young adult literature, which is like way darker and sadder than like I like I don't remember it being so dark and sad. Every time I flip through a book Clara brings home, I'm like, (laughs) jeez. Come on now. So it's almost like you're like, um, you're preparing them, right?
0: People sometimes want to read Charlotte's web when kids are four. I think it's actually great for like six to eight. Um, yeah. because you, it is about animals dying. It is about how we, you know, we kill animals to eat meat. And like, there's some like things that you can discuss with your kids that are really good. And I think sometimes we just get excited and we think it's like a book for preschoolers and it's right. really not. Um, no. but man, that audiobook I could listen to. Like the first chapter feels like poetry to me. And there's, there's several chapters. Like I almost have some of it memorized. It's really weird. Okay, moving on. Well, and I would just say
1: that that was the first book I ever binge read. Like I have a very mm-hmm. clear memory of bringing it home. I was probably seven and a half or eight. And I laid on this mat in the like little toy room that we had and read the entire book cover to cover. It was the first mm-hmm. time a book hooked me like that. Mm-hmm. And my mom had been trying really hard to hook me on chapter books. Yeah. Like, and I was a reader. I was a young reader. I yeah. just didn't, I could not get into chapter books until Charlotte's web. So I feel like seven, eight, nine is, and then I read it many times after that. Right. Probably. I mean, I probably most recently read it like in the last 10 years too. So yeah. Anyway. um. Okay. Well then let's, let's like imagine these fantastical country mouse lives of ours. Sarah, let's you go first on this one. Do you see yourself being like nestled into the mountains, um, maybe on a lake um, surrounded by trees in the woods, a pastoral farm scene? Like, what do you picture
0: there? OK, um, I'm going to construct something that probably listeners, you can tell me like what state that ex- this exists in. Um, but I I want access to woods. I've never really lived somewhere where you can truly just walk into the forest Um, And there's something so romantic about that to me. That said, I don't think I want to live so buried in the forest that you don't get a little bit of open sky. You know what I mean? So I'm picturing like, like a pastoral, like a farm like situation, but with access to woods. And I'm almost picturing like Vermont, New Hampshire. Again, I can wave my magic wand and we can address the weather (laughs) another time. but i think and and with a little bit of rolling hills cuz i also do don't do well in super flat terrain no yeah. offense illinois and the valley of the sun arizona but there's like the the aggressive flatness is so weird to me cuz i grew up near foothills and mountains i don't need the sierra nevada's like at my as my backdrop but i love a rolling hill or a walk that includes some elevation so i want some elevation variance i want access to beautiful woods with trees that change color, but, but I also like the farming aspect. So I'm picturing very Robert Frost inspired like new England farm slash forest area where I also can control the weather.
1: Uh, okay. I, I love all those fantasies. And I was, as you were talking about that, I was thinking that to properly live in the country one must be able to amble around. And I don't think one can amble on a flat. I feel like to amble, you need Hills.
0: Right, and and while Laura Ingalls Wilder certainly provided us as a, with a a tap a, um, a background like a canvas to work from, right. I do not want that much uh, as far as Open. the eye can see. No, right, I don't. Right, I'm not right, interested right. in that. That it's was both a very boring and like yeah. weirdly anxiety inducing. That
1: was a particularly like Charles Ingalls thing. Like I, I, it was like yes. his weird fantasy about like, planes, and I yes. do not share planes fantasies. First of all, the weather appears to be a mess. Yes, on the it's, place. It's, there's nothing but wind coming it's at you. So all.
0: extreme. It's Fire, so extreme. snow, blizzard. Right? Yeah.
1: Tornadoes. So yeah, that I would also say, um, well, to flip a little bit around from what you said, I actually fantasize about a little house tucked in the woods, like truly where you almost can't yeah. see it, where you can get to more open land. Like maybe there's also a lake right behind it where when you come out, you stumble out of the woods and you're on a lake and then you've got yeah. all that open sky. But like for a little moment you feel truly buried and in like, and surrounded that to yeah. me is a big fantasy. I will say this popped into my head as we were talking about, um, about books and movies, the Jane Austen version of living in a country setting also Ooh. super appeals to me. Yes, And me that's too. going in a totally different, that's like, you know, 18th century England. So yeah, Beatrix
0: Potter, almost yeah. like the yeah, yeah stone, yeah.
1: the stone, low stone walls and like the little hamlets. Um, yep. Like something about that. That's a lot of, I mean, I've never been to that area of England or any area of England, but I'm picturing rolling hills, lots of open yes. space, but then woods, like tucked, like trees, like it's like kind of a little bit of everything. Yes. And so that's also very appealing. So I want, like, I want, I, I like mountains. I don't particularly like ever need, I think because I don't have any real experience living in a mountain or on mountains, like I like them. I like them in the background, but that's not something I feel like I need. And I don't want the plains, but I want a mix of like the woods and the hills. And the yeah. and the old. The old I just
0: reread um the James Harriet, the first James Harriet, All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. And um that is also like there's so much variance there. There are craggy hillsides for yes. sure. And lots of but the descriptions of the farmhouses and the there's a lot going on. So yeah. England. I didn't know
1: you just read that one. I just read all of them. Like I just finished up you're the very you're last so fast. one he wrote.
0: I thought the first one was so long. I just was like, I loved it. Um, I had never read it. I'd only, i had only read the treasury for children. So I'd actually only read his version for kids. And I, I read all creatures great and small. It was like 600 pages. You're very fast.
1: Well, I, I started reading him like six months ago. It took me. And that was my nighttime reading. It's like, there's nothing like falling asleep to like, I don't know, a goat castration or like, a, I mean
0: he's so funny. They're laughing. Laugh he's so, yes. Like laughing so so hard,
1: like in the, like, it's like midnight and I'm laying in bed. Like when he describes the people and like the scenes that he gets himself into, like I'm shaking the bed. I'm laughing so hard. It's like the Dave Barry
0: or David Sedaris of 1930s England. It's the commentary (laughs) on, on, on small town life is I I would bring it to the breakfast table and read, not the breakfast table. Like we all sit around. I think actually it was the dinner table one night and i read parts to the kids because it was so funny. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Um, we could talk about, you know, lambs giving or sheep giving birth and all those kind of going to a calving, you know, all those things. But um, that's a great segue, actually, into my next question, Sarah. So how do you see the pace of your life being different? And let's add animal fantasies into that. I think those questions, if if you're someone who wants to, like, indulge in some light animal husbandry, that's a very different country life (laughs) than if you're doing like you're just living in the woods and like you know, ambling around. So talk about what you actually see yourself doing. And does that include chickens or goats or horses or anything like that?
0: Yeah. I'm going to start with the animals and work back into the other thing. Um, I do not really see livestock in my fantasy. I do see for sure indoor outdoor cats who can go to the barn and catch a mouse, come inside and curl up, have as many kittens, like as much unprotected cat, you know, reproduction as they want. Um, Cause I want like a steady supply of kittens that of course will go Love to good that. homes. A Steady yeah. supply of kittens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that is like the, that is the linchpin in my fantasy. In fact, my city fantasy also includes a cat, but that's not practical to have like an endless supply of kittens, <laughs> nor is it as easy for a cat to get out and get busy. Okay. So, uh, cats and dogs. So definitely animals that can go in and out, and maybe even pee or poop outside because I don't really need a litter box or any like pet accident. in, in this my fantasy, you not don't. Not in this fantasy, no. <laughs> um, inter- Maybe chickens, maybe some chickens for, for eggs or something. I would stop there. I don't. Mine does not include a lot of like other farm animals in this fantasy. Um, In terms of the pace of life, I think what I see is like and what when I think about the books and movies is there are big swings in the rhythm of life as opposed to the city, which would keep you very regular and kind of regimented. I see like because of the weather and the seasons and like the short days would have you not doing much in the winter, like Mm -hmm. reading and cooking and maybe like doing things that like stock up, uh, you know, like prepare you for the season ahead. And then flurries of activity that have to do with either getting ready for a new season or like going to town. And and this is true of even real life people. I know who live way, way far from um, from a city or a town. Like when they plan their Costco grocery, dry cleaning, like when they plan their trip to town, it's an entire day. And it like takes stuff out of them. Remember Kelsey who worked for us would be like yeah. an hour and a half. She'd be like, okay, I'm going to town today. Right. And she lives getting in everything
1: row. I could possibly yeah. get. Yeah.
0: And then yeah. if you live where, where weather's an issue, you also have to plan around that. So It's almost like it's a less regular pace of life, but it leaves room for everything you need to do. So for for the restful periods and the time where you sleep more and rest more and stay home more, it's it provides like a store of energy for then the flurries of activity. And I'm not sure whether mine would be going to town or like working on the land. I haven't thought that through, but I, I just see that it's a more irregular pace, but satisfying in the same way. I love it.
1: Well, um. Chickens and goats would definitely play into my fantasy if I had if I if I knew how to take care of a horse and like had this like we're talking fantasy here, right? So if I had the time and knowledge and money and space to take care of a horse, I would love to have a horse. They're beautiful. I love riding horses. I have not had a horse in my life in a very long time. Also random like barn cats and things like that, um, I think would be great. Um, And like and I've always wondered if you are in the kind of country life. Where you have a house cat, but also barn cats. Are the barn cats, like, jealous of the house cats? Are the Maybe. house cats are they jealous of the of barn it? cats? Yeah. Do they make fun of each other? I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. Um, I will share that in the the new living situation I'm possibly going to be finding myself in in a few months, there's a very good chance of chickens and pheasants. Nice. Pheasants. Um, okay. Pheasants. Yes. So i I can spoil more about that later, but, um, this would be like a joint effort between Eric and I, um, not living together, but like sharing some property. And uh-huh. he has unsuccessfully tried to have chickens. Like he, I'm actually recording from his house right now. I'm looking out at his property. He's got 20 acres and it's great. he has got plenty of space, but he's got neighbors close. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't really able to let his chickens like roam. And apparently they need a couple generations to like figure out how to not die. Okay. Um, otherwise they don't protect themselves. So this is what, I didn't know this, but like, you don't just let them go all the time. It's not like, like free range. Right. just go for it. Hope you don't get hit by a car, but it's like, you have to give them some time apparently to figure out how predators work, predators. So if you get them and they're all essentially domesticated dumb. and dumb, <laughs> they will, and then they all die. They'll just all be dumb forever. Like they'll never teach oh. the next generation of birds how to not be dumb.
0: OK, this is making me laugh so much. I want all our chicken <laughs> listeners to like I I want like and I know a nothing. This is just what I'm picking so up. Like I know up. nothing either. But I would say we're in the minority for not having chickens. Almost everyone around me has chickens. And I think around here people have like they put them in the coop at night and they might let them out a little bit during the day. But they are pretty domesticated. And also we have bears and coyotes. Right. Who just come through and like eat them. So I don't know how our chickens would, I don't, I don't have, I would ever protect themselves from a predator anyway, like the bears coming.
1: Or maybe you have to get them. Like, maybe you have to get some chickens that have already (laughs) had several generations of chickens. So they got some teaching. They need to not be so dumb. I'm sorry, but they don't really know what to do unless they are taught. Like, you know, just like if you put a two-year-old and just let them run around, unless someone had taught them what to do, they wouldn't know. Right. So the same thing is with chickens. It's just, I don't know how to get there, but that's what. OK, that's what Google's for. You'll
0: teach us all.
1: Yeah, I hope. And I don't want my chickens to get eaten by coyotes. But I do also know that, like, you know, like they do have predators. since That's part of like that life that you have to get OK with. They're not. Yeah, they're not sure. like pampered pug dogs. Um, no, they, they, will die. they yeah. are livestock and they need to be. It's, it's just not realistic to have a a, a flock. And expect that they're all going to fare super well. That's where you end up, um, I think, with some unrealistic expectations. So anyway, those are probably in my future. I am also lobbying for goats. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I love goats. I've always loved goats my whole life. I think they're so funny and cute.
0: They are very cute.
1: You know, I don't know that I necessarily want to have a whole milking operation going. So it could just be a useless goat. But this is my fantasy, so I can have a
0: useless goat. It doesn't you can have, have to yeah, and they're so cute. their babies are right. so cute, oh. yeah,
1: and they jump over each other, which is so mm-hmm. cute, and it's just so cute. so um, I guess that leads me back into the question about pace of life and how I would actually spend my time, and if we're thinking like you know, true fantasy off the grid, I think there's something so appealing to me about kind of the same way I love camping. It's like life, you just do what you have to do to get through the day, kind of uh-huh. like. Today I'm canning because I have to, because that's how I'm going to have food. Like there's something about that that is very appealing, even though I recognize that as my wholly romanticized version of it. Um, But just like being living a little closer to like what's actually happening in nature and like living a little closer to like the realities of what it takes to feed yourself, clothe yourself, all of those things. I don't know that I'm going to live completely off the grid and like live off the land But I would like to have more skills in that area. And I think Mm -hmm. that would be a great way to have them. And I just also think it would be both busier and slower like, busier because there's just more stuff you have to do just to get through the day and just to keep things going. Hard work. Yeah. Hard work. But then also, like you were saying, like, if it's dark, it's dark. Like, there's not, like, what is there to do? I'm not going to, if I'm living, you know, in the middle of the woods, I'm not necessarily going to then put on my dressy outfit and go out to eat. I'm probably just going to, like, like, you know, settle in for the night. So something about that is very appealing to me as well as appealing or more appealing, probably at the stage of my life than the than my fantasy of being picked up in a car outside of. Yeah, the high rise. It's almost so. like
0: the city provides unlimited choices and the country provides very limited choices. And there's something <laughs> right. appealing about both. Like, the, right. You can make an argument for both. But I am with you. I think what I'm hearing you describe is almost like a reduction in options. So it simplifies what's in front of you.
1: Yeah. Well, let's wrap up with one final question, Sarah, and this is just how would you dress? Like, how does your fantasy country life person dress? And remember, this doesn't have to be practical, but it can be.
0: Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, I know how you're, how you need to dress for those elements and it's not cute. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like heavy fabrics and, and like very utilitarian Lots of wool wool, and like, yeah, things flannel Carhartt. What is Carhartt? Is that a fabric or is that a Carhartt is a brand? Okay. It's okay. that,
1: but it's not that tan canvas, yes. you know, overalls yes. and
0: stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was, I was in the right general direction. I just didn't know if that was the fabric or the brand. Um, I feel like in my fantasy, I would be like a like a cute farmer girl, like jeans, like useful jeans, but that looked cute, not opposed to some boots, like some work boots, some cowboy boots um, and, you know, sweaters, fleeces. I, I think I would just somehow like hope to make it look cute. But I, I, I like that. But like that very casual look, I, I'm not going prairie dresses. I don't know if that's where where you're going.
1: Well, I don't think there's any. I feel like today's prairie dresses would probably be very impractical <laughs> on, a, on any kind of in any yeah. kind of country setting. I mean, like the actual prairie dresses one actually wore in pioneer days probably were built for that. Like they were sewn for that yeah. lifestyle. And like now they're just for show. So I you're probably getting ruffles caught in like, I don't know, machinery. and then like getting your arm chewed off or something. So like, that's not advisable, Right? not advisable. I picture myself with a lot of layers. Like, like you're saying, like nowadays, you can get such cute stuff, even if it's just very outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. So like practical um, fabrics and a lot of layers, but like you can have a really cute rain slicker. I'm Mm -hmm. already fantasizing um, about when I move and buy myself a pair of like wellies or something like Like boots that I just step into and pull way up, and they're like rubberized, and I can just go slop around with the chickens and stuff. Something about that to me. So it's like, why don't I already have a pair of those? I don't know. Wouldn't it be great to throw those on when I just want to walk to the car and like through a mud puddle and get something? But there's no real reason for me to have those in town, but there would be a real reason for me to have those um, out in the country. I also see a lot of like um, kind of those like practical skirts, but like layered with sweaters and things. So, Uh you know, if we're thinking about like juxtapose that against my 50 something sort of eccentric city version of me, it's almost like the flip side. It's like the eccentric country (laughs) version of me where it's like, I look vaguely like maybe it's intentional and maybe it just happened to me. And I'm not sure which one it is, but at some point you stop hearing.
0: I'm back to James Harriet for a hot second. Did you watch the TV version. Did we talk about this already? Did yeah. you watch all creatures? Great. So and Small? I
1: tried to watch. Well, I actually watched the whole season. Um, Clara and I tried to watch it together. She was very bored by it. And I guess I would say what I thought the, the, the house, the farmhouse was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like their I love their wardrobes. I thought the characters were all great. I thought it lacked a lot of the spark of the book. Yeah. It's
0: not nearly as good as the books, But I thought it was kind of cute in and of itself it was sort of like yeah. cute i guess but um the the love interest i forget her name Helen. Annie. helen okay um her outfits when they first meet and they're like always she's meeting up like over yes she's wearing yes. like i think they're wide legged probably yes. cuz this is, goes to my um but she always looks so adorable like she's always got, yes. got like a pop of bright lipstick but yet looks like believably outdoorsy so i, I feel could,
1: like the the first outfit i remember seeing her in at least at her farm was like this bright green like a pantsuit, essentially. And she had like like, like wide-legged trousers that were, yes. I believe, green. And then like probably some kind of brown bundled up sweater on top. Yes, she always yes. said like,
0: yes, like the cute, like, you know, very warm wool, British Isles type sweater. Right. And then definitely <laughs> wore jeans and overalls in a couple of episodes, which I think at that time was like, what? A right, lady, like farmer? A lady?
1: <laughs> Right, exactly. Yes, yes. But yes, anyway. something like that that looks like, intentional, but practical, but cute. I think it could yeah. be done. I think yeah. we could pull it off.
0: I think so. do it. I think so.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, this has been really fun. And of course, you know, we, I just think it's funny because when we, when we do episodes like this, where we're truly fantasizing, at least for me, I feel like it shows my ignorance. Like there's, so, there's things I just don't know anything about, like right. what it's actually like to live in a high rise what it's actually like to have chickens. I don't know. It's just fun to think about. And some of that comes from the fact that like, we get these ideas from media a lot of the time, and then reality, yeah. I'm sure, would be very, very different. So if when if and when we end up in this life, um, it'll be fun to see how it actually goes.
0: Yes. And as always, we love hearing from listeners. This would be a really fun one. If you want to email us hello at the mom dot com. I know we have some pretty rural and farm based listeners because we hear from you and Stacy on our contributor team um, lives a farm life and writes about it on our blog. Um, so I'm super interested in that perspective. I'm also interested if anybody has never lived in a town or suburb and has always lived either extreme rural or extreme urban. And like, if you have your own preconceived notions and fantasies about suburban life, that would be really fun to hear about.
1: Oh, that would be really fun. Cause I think sometimes, um, small towns get a very romanticized version of, you know, and I think suburbia sometimes gets a kind of a jaded, you know, version of media, like what that looks like. So I think that would be fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, you can email us hello at themomhour.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, and especially in our Facebook group, which is really where the conversation happens. We'll link all those up in the show notes, and we will be back in your ears on Tuesday with an episode all about hosting and entertaining as we lead into the holiday season. So we'll talk to you then. Back to you then.
1: Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because it's beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time.
0: Yeah. And with summer fast approaching now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at the essential the mom hour. That's 10% off at the essential the mom hour.